everybody so we are back now with the next episode of Irish Iron. Uh, today I have Billy Burner. So Billy has won a numerous amount of titles. He's won the Napa World, he's won the Napa Ireland, uh, he's placed very high in most things he's done. He also has done a plethora of powerlifting and strength sports before he went to bodybuilding and uh, he made his comeback against myself and he won the class um, when I came last. So that was nice to step well, up. It wasn't really a comeback. <laughs> it was just more like a, wee, a short visit to the stage to see how it fell out. And then I was like, yeah. bye, I'm away again. <laughs> so what, so what, made you, what made you come back? Because, I mean, you hadn't competed for what was like, a, it must have been. Since 2006, 13 yeah. years. Yeah. It was more, I had been training fairly regular and I have a good friend here, Bubba Wilson. Yeah. Uh, me and him have been training steady at this point. And after the show last year, good atmosphere. And uh, uh, yeah, it's the kind of thing Tommy Staunton and all the guys who's competed in the past will tell you there's a fire inside, and it never ever really goes out, you know. And I had been training really well, injury free, looking half decent, strength was really, really good. And it was burning in the back of my mind. And then we had the Irish Muscle Power last year. Do you remember? Yeah, I never sure. went. I was going to go this year, but uh, sure look, that's all. Uh, and then my friend, Blue Shinners, he's well known in the bodybuilding scene in Ireland. He had passed away last year, well, not last year, but the year previous. And, uh, you know, he always had good faith in me and always showed, you know, uh, talked about my talent and I was, I was, I, I was a kid in the bodybuilding and, when he passed away, it kind of meant, meant a lot to me, you know, to compete again for him. Yeah. You because know, when I had done the Worlds in 2006 in the universe in 2006, I had uh, kind of opened the door away for myself to go further, and I never did. I didn't, I didn't realize that potential. And Blue always maintained that I was probably like, you know, the one and only at that point in time that could go further. And a, and a wee part of me felt as if I let him down, you know, by not seeing it further. And... And training going well, and, and I say Irish Muscle Power that time, Tommy had just said to me that they were going to make the NAB Ireland's memorial show for Blue. So I walked away that day, and I got 12 weeks or 13 weeks from that point to the Ireland's. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give us a go. So I did. And I over-dieted, over-trained, yeah. stressed myself out, and came on looking like a string bean. But you know what, I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. I'm happy that I've done it. And I came away healthy from it too. You know, so I'm, I am, I'm very, very pleased. Got to share the stage with yourself, you know, and, and I just, uh, had, it was a class day from start to finish. It was not unlike any other body building the show in the past. I kind of came into the show, the actual show itself on the day, stress-free. And then as you remember, the show ran two hours ahead of schedule. Yeah. So with the last, maybe the last 15 or 20 minutes, it was like a big scramble to get on stage. And it was no sooner on stage than we came off, it was done and dusted. And I thought, Jesus, that was class. <laughs> So I left that day full of energy and full of beans and I couldn't believe it was all done on dust in such a short period of time then, you know. So, but I think I made a good account of myself. Could have been better. I could have been uh, easily 50% better. But my plan was go on healthy and walk away healthy and feel good. And, that, yeah. and I achieved that. So, you know, if I, I mean, had a one new overall, if I had a one new overall, <laughs> I would have been the icing on the cake that day. You know, it really truly would have been. But uh, I think it pushed them still good for the overall too, you know. 
been away so long, 13 years now, we dry run for the show. I think I made a good account of myself. So I'm happy, I'm very pleased. Like, you know, and the right man, big rattle on one too, like, you know. So could have done the masters. But yeah. No, just yeah. I'm for, for the class three open now. I get on there and get get stuck in. <laughs> but the thing is like even on the day it was like um I think it was condition your conditioning and everything uh won it out anyway. I mean like there was like the problem is what I've always taught in Irish shows is like you don't necessarily have to be the biggest guy. It's it's always been the conditioning because nobody here is 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 miles and miles ahead of every anyone in terms of in terms of muscle but if you're if you're on the money with the conditioning you're you're more than likely going to have a top finish oh i think you met a great bodybuilder paul george english bodybuilder who won the the brits overall i think he actually won it He's five foot five i think we five foot four it was only just over 12 stone on stage and he won the overall nava brits you know his conditioning you know in symmetry was class outstanding I don't think you have to be the biggest, but if you are the biggest and you come in with condition, it's a given that you're going to walk away. But by fighting chance at our level, well, national level here in Ireland, I say conditioning is going to run the rest. You know, no, yeah. on, 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 most, on most given days. You know. Yeah, that actually ties into one of the questions. Um, it was Cahill McConnell asked me, or no, it was Carlo Sullivan, and he asked me, why does he think so many people still struggle to nail their condition. Um, like, what would your take be on it? I have my own thoughts on it. I have my own experiences with not being able to get into it. But uh, what's you know, your take on it? I don't think I've ever dieted for any two shows the same. You know, and as I say, I, I came on very late for the last show. I, 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 I was about I, I was about six pound later than the very first time I done the Nabarins back in two thousand five. Um, and I diet, my diet was, I went really, really low carbs. And I actually kept my, oil, my oils and my fats fairly minimal too. And I just overstretched it. I think a lot of people must condition and it just comes down to practice and then having your log book referring back. Some people are very lucky, genetically gifted, or very lucky that they have the right plan right away. You know, and, if, and they have good guidance from the likes of Tommy. There's a lot of good guys out there now who's had the, the trial and error like myself as well. You know, and Unfortunately for me, to ask someone for advice, people aren't very forthcoming giving me advice because they look at the experience I've had over the years and they think, this man's taking a hand of me. You know, asking for people for advice is very hard to do yeah. in this industry as well. You know, and getting good, good, positive feedback. A lot of people is going to pat you in the back and say, oh, you're doing great, you're looking brilliant. And you've probably had that experience, you know. I, and, and, they, and they mean well, they truly mean well, you know. The, the problem um, is, the problem is, what I found is people, um, what I found is you have too many people from different, different corners. So it's like if you, if you're training with people who don't necessarily, my training partners wouldn't compete. So it's like when they saw me in shape, they kind of thought that's great, but they would, I would have to turn off my opinion taken from them because it wouldn't, it wasn't like right. getting a judge's opinion. Um, but I think there's two. Well, and I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And this, in the small community we have up here, I was very lucky. Come back here in 1991. I walked on the Peach Gym in the Strand Road, and it was Peter Fox, who's David Fox's brother, owned the gym, but Dave ran the gym for him. Okay. 
And you, if anybody up here knows Dave Fox, is he's going to be brutal and tell you exactly where you're at, what you need to be doing to get to where you want to be on stage. And I've always had the likes of them guys kind of giving me advice. Unfortunately, the last show I kept covered up to the last minute, we bit paranoid because I didn't want to be any worse than what I was from when I last competed 13 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, I, and I didn't want to be, I, I didn't expect to be as good at the same time. So I just said, you know what, I'm not showing anybody. I'm just keep myself covered up to the last minute. And, uh, well, you, you can imagine McDave was all like, well, remember the last few weeks I stepped off from him? He goes, push harder, you still got that bit of fat here. And it, it, oh, he's brutal. But it's what you need to hear. And you need them people going into competitions, you know. Yeah. Um, with Brian Ward, uh, Ben O'Connor, all in the same gym, all the national and international athletes, and giving you good, positive feedback. Or negative feedback, whatever you know, whatever's required, they push you on to the next day or the next week or the next work week, you know. And, and you need that. You definitely need that. Even like the same pictures after Tommy Staunton for a wee bit of feedback, them kind of things. You know, everything's required. You know, and it's all good. Absolutely. Like I, I tell people this all the time. You don't. Some people don't need a coach. Like a lot of people, like yourself, will have all the knowledge in there. Um, but it's always good to just have somebody just to be oh, it's there. De- it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a case on that you know, there can be too much knowledge. You know, you find yourself, you, you start off and you map yourself a road plan into the competition. Say, like, I was already getting ready for, for summer to try and lean down when I had decided to compete. So I'd already come down to about maybe 15 and a half stone and my abs are starting to come through at that. Um, but the last 12 weeks, I had a definitive road plan going all the way into the show. Because of my age and because of the weight I came down from, I found myself having a lot of loose skin. So week seven and week six, I was like, oh, Jesus, no, I'm not going to be able to hide this or hide that. And what, like, ask, to ask someone for advice and that kind of thing, you know, and it's sort of personal too, because you, you know, you know, your lower glutes and that kind of stuff. You don't want to be standing in the middle of a gym, but a lot of people do, stripping off down to their, their knickers and, <laughs> what do you think of this here, boys? <laughs> but uh, no, just getting feedback and that kind of stuff is very hard, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm a private kind of guy or not, I wouldn't be shy stripping off, but at the same time, when you're a wee bit conscious of what you're going to look like on stage in a pair of briefs, you know, you just have to just bite the bullet and go, right, right, give me what I look like. You know, strip off and what I look like, what, what, what odds like, you know, we can't be shy, you know, but a lot of people are, and then leave it to the last minute, and then like, oh Jesus, I still got to do this, that, and the other, and to come back to the very, very first question was asked about conditioning, you need to be monitoring that, that 10, 12 weeks out, and getting weekly reviews the whole way, and whether you do it to yourself, and be totally honest with what you see in the mirror, right, I need to pull get back carbs, need to up my water, need to up my cardio, or maybe you're doing too much and your body's like generating a lot of inflammation, so you need to kind of back off. And these things is all hard to monitor on your own. Extremely hard to monitor, unless you keep a tight diary from maybe a previous experience. So if it's your first show and you're and you people's telling you're going to be good, get hands on with a coach. You know, you've, we have some amazing coaches in Ireland and some people who think they're amazing. <laughs> but we do, we genuinely do have some amazing coaches and getting feedback off these guys is critical. You know, and, and if you're going to invest a lot of time and effort in the gym for the money that it costs to invest in a good coach, well, it's well worth it. The outcome makes it worthwhile. 
assess what you're into. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the only segue I would say on that would be uh, it would go into training. It would basically be um, like your training. I remember I was talking to Ian and Tommy, and they said your training would be quite uh, Dorian Yates kind of training. Is that the way you've always done it? Like it would be kind of high intensity work? Um, no, 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 not really. No, no uh, I had taken back in ninety one, ninety two, when I had qualified for the AFPB Worlds. Uh, it was predominantly that type of training, a lot of forced reps, you no know, drop sets and that kind of stuff. And I trained my guy called John Buchanan, who was brutal training as well. I mean, and just buzzed off each other in the gym. We didn't know about rest days, not a notion that we have. We trained six days a week. And the only reason we didn't train on a Sunday is because we were on the door on a Saturday night. You know, we would have trained every day. Like I was, I was walking pain. I mean, there wasn't a day that I wasn't suffering from the previous day and still going to the gym. Um, all we had was Flex magazine and, and we uh, read all the programs that the, the pros were doing and we just copied them. And that's essentially, that was our kind of introduction to bodybuilding. 91, um, June 91, I went to my first bodybuilding show and it was the Ulster Hall. It was the Mr. Northern Ireland zone. And the very first pro bodybuilder i ever seen in the flesh was Doreen Yates. And it, it was him qualifying. He was going to do the Night of the Champions where Momo, Momo Benazisa, who yeah, died, yeah. he beat him that year. This man stepped on stage and I think he was 16 or 17 weeks out from the show, 21 stone. It was a monster. But when I seen him, I want to be like that. That's me. That's one of, and then, so I, I left I, I left the, the Ulster Hall and I came back and I decided the following year I was going to compete. I was going to be a bodybuilder. And I left with a plan. I says, right, so I need to learn how to diet. I need to learn how to be a bodybuilder. I had never known baller training. I was I was like three times world junior champion at the uh, all rounders, and the year that ninety one, I had won the, the senior title as well. Okay. So I had a I was really had a good regimen and a good uh, self discipline regarding training. This is for powerlifting now. Before uh, for all rounders, it's called okay. all rounders. It's like a combination yeah. of both Olympic lifting and powerlifting, and a few, well, quite a few other lifts. Okay. Uh, a decathlon, so to speak, it's done over two days and it's five different lifts per day. So I was world champion and I already at this point and I already had a lot of self-discipline, you know, keeping my body weight down and diet and that kind of stuff. And I had the, the fundamentals to be able to be, you know, to be to develop good bodybuilding programs already within me. Yeah. So, so were, uh, you, were you a teenager at this point, Billy, or were you? Uh, I was only was like 17. Was okay. 17. So on uh, November, that was in June, the first bodybuilding show I seen. Wasn't really training like bodybuilding at that point. So in November, I competed then in the Mr. Ulster that was in the Evergoods Hotel in Derry. Um, my friend John, who was a schoolboy, we were, we were still class of schoolboys because we were only 17. He wanted to compete as well. So I said, You do the schoolboys. And we had another boy in the gym called Dan McCafferty. He wanted to do the juniors. And I, so we didn't want to compete against each other because we were all best of friends. So that left me doing the first timers division. And I was only 17. First timers, you can boys train in like 20 years, you know, and they just step on stage. There was 21 in the, in the category. And uh, a boy called, I don't know if you met him, AFBB, Selwyn Cottrell. He was uh, posing and he was guest judge at it. So at that point, I'd never know introduction to uh, like super supplements, I hadn't had a clue. Dieted uh, rice and tuna for the 17 weeks to the show, eggs in the morning, eggs in the evening, just pure basic. But enough that got me. I came down, I entered on stage, I think it was 10 stone, four pounds. But I was shredded. I was shredded. Posed down to the overall, I'd made it. I knew I made it in the top six. 
and uh, I jumped off a stage onto the judges' table because the place was the stage was tiny, it was minute, and I jumped off the stage on the judges' table, thinking this is going to get me somewhere, and I did. So I won that day. That was my first introduction to a volleyball on stage. It was class, it was a good day. Yeah. But I got talking to Selwyn Cottrell after the show, telling him what I was doing, and uh, he says, "No, no, no, you're doing it all wrong. You need to up your calories. Uh, you're too much volume in your training, too much cardio, and you'll get somewhere. You know if you follow this plan." So I did, and then seven months, I was in November 91, on in June 92, I stepped on stage at the FBB Mr. in Ireland at 15 stone two. <laughs> so in seven months, I put on the guts of four and a half stone, but it just shows you how much I had over dieted. It wasn't a reflection of, you know, I fell into some sort of super plan. You know, I just, I got my sleeping right. I made sure I went to bed at 11 o'clock at night and got up at eight o'clock in the morning. Ate at the same times every day. Monday to, Monday to Sunday, I had a whole way right around, I had a massive beat and I, and I stepped on stage and won the juniors on the AFPB Northern Ireland and I won the men's open and I got my qualifying spot at 18 to go to the AFPB men's words. Um, that was, I think it was Graz in Austria that year and Akam Albrecht won and Ronnie Coleman came 14th. <laughs> but I, I didn't go because of financial situation like, yeah, yeah. but I had qualified for it and and I should have went in hindsight, but all things, other things in my personal life took an president. Would you have been? Would that have qualified you for the for the IFBB, uh, the British or whatever the equivalent is over? Like the Brits. Yeah. Well, I think, I I think the with... IFBB in Northern Ireland back then was the NAWBF, and it was affiliated to the IFBB. Okay. And okay. It, it was it was independent, so Northern Ireland was independent from the UK. So uh... it was just a matter of one in your. One in the Northern Ireland and going straight to the Worlds. So that would have been the competition next. All right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I didn't realise how important the show would have been if I had a went. And given my age too, especially when they had a junior Master World back then, you know, yeah. I would have been probably the youngest on stage at the Men's Worlds, you know. But I didn't know. And I was naive and young and dumb and other things took charge of my life back then, you know. So I never went. So I had stepped away from volleyball and then, no, that's a lie. I competed in the November, uh, November 92 and done the Mr. Ulster. And uh, because I'd already won the open category in the Northern Ireland, I couldn't do the juniors and I couldn't do the novice and that kind of stuff, uh, even though I was still young. And I'd done the, the men's open category overall. And I came second overall against a guy called Sammy Logue, who actually went on and placed super high at the universe in Brits and all that kind of stuff. So I think I'd, I'd done all right to stand against him on stage. It was his big comeback show. But I give him a good run for his money, so uh, that that counted for a lot for me. Like you know, I wasn't matter about one of them. There's, you know, it sounds cliche to say I was the taking part. You know, <laughs> so uh, I, think, I know I, I, I was. I, I've been very lucky. My bodybuilding, yeah. my bodybuilding career has been. It's a matter of luck and chance. A lot of it has been the shows I entered in for. Um, certain people didn't turn up to compete, so I didn't have to face down like who I deemed was top bodybuilders. Hmm. And I had stepped away from bodybuilding then in '92, and then I came back in 2004. Done a couple of powerlifting competitions in between. Done strongman in between. So you and didn't then, stop. Uh, you I didn't stop training. So you didn't oh, stop I had big, training. Oh, I, oh, big massive gaps. No training at all. Years like no training okay. at all. Just didn't bother myself. I had all the things I wanted to do. You know, yeah. just. Uh, I, I'd be very focused on things that I apply myself to, you know, and, and I'd find myself, like, and 
balancing things out. Well, I can't do this because I want to do that, you know. Yeah. And I would just like drop things completely and focus on other things in my life, you know. And then, unfortunately for me, then things have worked out really well as well. So uh, I'm very lucky. Yeah, I find um, like I've always found that like that the problem is with bodybuilding is it gives you a discipline, but if you don't have, unless you're making money honestly. from it, unless you're making money from it, you shouldn't be fully invested in it. There should be something yeah. to make your ends meet. For me, I have been extremely lucky. Uh, for me, I've been extremely lucky. I've attracted sponsors. Know, like uh, NXT and a man in that crew, they looked after me very well when I came back to bodybuilding in 2004 to 2005. And uh, clothing sponsors, that kind of stuff, you know, and, and Dave Fox were very helpful in the gym. Um, I, 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 the people that's came to me, bodybuilding has brought to me, you know, have been more than generous, you know, with their time and their money and nutrition. You know, I, I haven't suffered well, I know a lot of people has. You know, financially, don't get me wrong. Because of the time I've put under my training, I've probably suffered financially where I could have been out there earning more money or you know, that kind of stuff. Where I think 2005, 2006, I was only working part time, postman. So I was doing the walking for five or six hours a day and still trying to do my bodybuilding and keep my nutrition tight. But my wife was working full time and she was sort of keeping me. Okay. You know, and them kind of things, that's it. That's sacrifice in itself, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but that's what as, as you say, there's a, there's a lot of sacrifice, you know, and you got and it's balancing the scales of what's good for you. If you can justify the ends, well, and make you happy, well, it's worked. But like, there's a lot of things, like, as you probably know, relationships. Many, many bodybuilders I know have failed marriages never because they put their bodybuilding in front of their marriages or their children. That's wrong. Like, that's wrong. And and I've been guilty of it too, like anybody else. You know, I have I have done done it wrongly as well like so 100 like i always tell people this like the best advice i've been given is to tell like if you're if you're in a relationship or or anything or you're taking care of somebody i always or, or in a you know situation i always say look for 12 weeks i'm just going to be focused doing this thing but after those 12 weeks, you have the rest of the year. That's what, that's what the best advice I was given was once the prep is done, uh, be yourself, spend more time with everybody else you need to spend time. And I think people have a problem with disengaging after shows. So they keep that mindset. Oh, right. That's the issue. Yep. Like if you, if you can't. A lot, of people cry about, a lot of people cry mental health, you know, at the end of the shows and they've got them like massive gaps where they've spent maybe, not saying six hours or five hours of the day training, and their diet's been super tight and everything's been regimented and kept them on the level. All of a sudden, there's this big gap where they can't eat what they want. They're not training as much, and they've all this spare time staring in the darkness because they've lost all their friends. <laughs> their wife doesn't want to talk to them. No, she cannot talk to them. I don't, don't know if I can talk to them. She's sitting there quiet because he doesn't want to talk to you. Know, they don't get friends. And uh, all of a sudden, you find yourself lonely because the way you've been the last maybe 12 weeks, it's hard. It's very, very hard. Yeah. Now, when you, uh, the when people you... who are truly successful in bodybuilding are those people who either are mentally very strong and can live with that, or they've found the balance. You yeah. know, and the balance, very few people have found the balance. You know, I, I think even amongst the very top of these groups, you'll hear a lot of horror stories and boys like topping themselves and killing themselves or whatever because they can't cope. Mm -hmm. Give me the gym. Give him my dad and give him the show. 
but outside that they're lost you know? yeah and that's sad. I, mean, I mean that's what happened with luke sando there like a month ago or three weeks ago it must have been at this point uh with the quarantine that probably wouldn't have happened he probably wouldn't have uh killed himself you know right. well, so i don't know the circumstances behind yeah. it you know and it's not fair because i don't know i wouldn't comment on it no but that yeah. is the case you know, I, I can see he was a very funny guy, and it's, I mean, a lot of his online stuff and on. You know, it, I, I imagine he wasn't lonely, but you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You know, yeah. The comedians you have like Robin Williams, who's who topped himself, like no one of the funniest guys ever on the planet, and entertained millions. And he's live on stage, and you wonder, how did he? How, why did he kill himself? You know, loved by loved by millions. Under, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and we, like, and we never will because that's personal to them. No, and that's the thing. That's what, but that's what people mistake as mental health. Like that's mental health. Um, being a dick to people after a show, that's not mental health. That's just you being a dick. That's what I've I've always said. Like if you can't own up to the fact that if you are dieting and you were you ruined certain things and then say that's your fault, you can't just blame it on mental health if you've done it. Oh, true, true, so, very true. And then you got. A lot of the guys who use a whole lot of gear, they're ready for shows, and their hormone balance is way off the left, you know, and they're wondering why they can't concentrate for two minutes in any given thing. I guess mental in itself, you know, <laughs> and people will say, oh, they're not addictive. They're not directly addictive, but they do tune you into a certain personality mode, you know, mm-hmm. and when you take these things out of the equation, all of a sudden there's another gap there that you need to fill in some way, you know. And unfortunately, most people haven't got a notion. They don't know how to do that. You know, and that's, that's the guys that crash and burn, unfortunately. Do you, you know. do you think that's probably been the one, one of the things that has stopped a lot? Like, I mean, a lot of the guys I competed with um, in 2013, none of them are, there's only one, one, two people out of 21 who are still competing. So it's like, in my head, I'm you know, like, could be anything. So. It's not just that too. A lot of people compete just out of pure ego. Yeah. And, you, and you know, everybody everybody who makes it to the stage, or they deserve to be the stage, but they have their own reasons and have their own ways why, why they want to be there. You know, not everybody wants to want to show, but they want to present the best package that they can on the day. You know, and they might only, they might ever only compete once. You know, and then other guys like myself, I was very lucky to enter. Very high level, so I wanted the next stage, you know, and I wanted to to better myself, you know, and that was my reason. And and, uh, and being younger, it was too. It was I was a natural show off, and bodybuilding gave me that avenue to show off the best I could. You know what I mean? If it was if I wasn't on stage standing in posing trunks in front of a thousand people, I was in the gym blasting the reps out and beating everybody else in the gym as well. So. For me, ego played a big part in my success as well because I wouldn't let myself do it in front of people. Mm. You know, if I, if I was having a crap day, I kept it inside and didn't portray it outside. You know, and, and maybe that's not a good thing, but I'd use that energy then as well to, to drive on good in the gym. And then all of a sudden, a shit day turned into a good day. Does that make sense? I get you. So, so a, a, lot of, a lot of my success was just ego driven. Yeah. Sorry? But it was ego. To the, it, was, it was a drive to prove to yourself that you could 
you know, you could do it at the end of the oh, day. Right, oh, right. So it wasn't... It a, lot wasn't of, a lot of showing off along yeah. the way. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't ego for the sense that a lot of guys have ego now. It's like, I, I see a lot of... Oh, no, no. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been a person to walk down the street in a tight top or nothing, or I didn't want to look well when I took my top off. I didn't care about how I looked. How I looked, you know, 99% of the time. I just wanted to look well on stage. Hmm. So like a... You know, a lot of guys getting tanned up because they're going on their holidays or taking gear because they're going on their holidays and that kind of stuff. It was never me. I, I didn't care how I looked. You know, I, didn't, I didn't walk down the street with a, a sleeveless top or a tank top on. Very, very, very rarely. If I was caught short, maybe I'd have to wear, you know, put something on like that. But no, that, well, that wasn't me. You know, people would say, oh, if I was built like you, I'd be you know, strutting down the street with you know, like lat syndrome and all. No, I was, I, I was never like that. But, yeah. I don't think it was. Hobo wasn't. <laughs> I, I, Joe, I tell people this. I tell people this. No, I didn't have that trait. Yeah. See, I tell people this all the time. It's like when I was when I was in my teens, I was absolutely, I would be the guy to walk around in the T-shirt or anything. And as, as I've gotten bigger and bigger, I just want to keep it hidden. You know, I don't want anyone to see it. No, it's like as you get, as you mature, you kind of, um, and the reasons behind it, it's like I got into training because of bodybuilding. I knew what bodybuilding was beforehand. So when I was 15 and I started lifting, it was to compete. Um, it just, so I kind of knew my, 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 the initial source of before that though, I was a natural kind of like yourself. I would have, I would have been a bit of an ego, ego fueled person. But then when I got into the bodybuilding and I was training with a guy at the time, he was, same age as me, um, Aaron Power, and he actually went up to the Navador yep. Arlick show and he, he, he looked stupid good. And then he disappeared. But he's one of my best friends, so he was the guy who I kind of followed. So, But he never showed off. He was wrapped up. He was very much uh, humble, humble until he stepped on stage. So I kind of learned from that. But I see all these young guys now, and it's like, I, I, I have an inkling in, in my head. If they, there wasn't social media, they wouldn't be on stage. Half of them wouldn't be on stage. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, there's, a, there's a thousand reasons and a thousand good reasons why people step on stage. But there's a thousand negative reasons as well. You know, I do feel sorry for the people who are brainwashed by social media and Instagram and their friends. And they step on stage and they truly believe in their heart when they're before they strip off and see everybody else backstage that they are the bees knees. And then Joe Bloggs beside him takes the top off and he's got a 55 ab, ab <laughs> pack. And he's and the guy strips off and he goes like, Wait, Jesus, and he realizes that he's over his you know, and over his head. I do generally feel sorry for them people. You know, and their confidence is gone as soon as they get on stage and they're looking for all their friends. And they, they haven't tanned properly or whatever, and their diets have been a way off, and they step on stage looking like they're just ready for Ibiza. You know, and I do feel sorry for them people, you know, and, and they, they're really disillusioned. I always kind of go, going back to the Georgian side of it there. You know, I, I think they don't, they don't last year at Ulster Hall where they sent a couple of judges backstage where the people were registered, and they like, no, that category isn't for you, or you should be doing this category, or, or maybe you shouldn't compete. I don't think they actually said that to anybody. No, but it was to kind of sidestep the embarrassment of pulling people aside on stage. I think that's good. That's, uh, that needs to be done more, you know. Um, it's not nice being on stage and being told, no, go back off again. No, you, 
you know, the hype backstage, or maybe there before you go on stage, and you're getting all the nerves all built up. You step out on stage, and the judge says, "No, uh, wrong category. Go back and wait. You have to wait another forty-five minutes or an hour, and now you've lost your pump or whatever." That's become more and more common. So I'd like to see a process backstage where there's an intervention with the judges prior to you know, going on stage. So it's not as embarrassing, you know. And a lot of people who watching on to that that process happening. The judges send you off the stage. They don't understand. So there's a lot of questioning going on behind the judges. Why, why, why? This you got my friend off, and this is no, you yeah. took him off the stage. Nine times out of ten, what I have seen has been the right decision. Well, that person has been judged then correctly in the next category, and then qualified for the worlds or the Brits or yeah. the universe. Where if they had run the wrong category, they would have got nowhere. You know. Yeah. So uh, I, mean, I think that that needs to happen. One hundred percent. I mean, on the other hand, as well, I remember in twenty seventeen, my fr- friend of mine competed. He's only done two shows, and the judge just forgot his number. So, like, he never got marked. They, he was on stage. He looked. He was in condition. I think it was like novice, and he just ended up. It was just he never got marked. He never got. He never never got marked. It was. A, it was. There was pre-judging and finals. It wasn't straight through. There was like a four or five hour break. So it's like. I wasn't judging that show. No, he wasn't. He never got marked. No, I remember you were backstage at it. You weren't judging it. So I was like, but uh, I remember like that was the one time that's actually happened that I can put on my hand. So it's like the fact that it's only happened once, 100%, I agree with you. That's um, funny. That's funny was doing backstage. Me and uh, Stevie Cox, my wife, Hillary, we normally do backstage at NABA. That's one of the things we look for to make sure everybody's got their numbers, you know, yeah. and they're all presentable before they step out. No, he had it. On him. I must have missed he, that one. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had the number on. Oh, him. right. He had the number on him. It was the joy. It was on the judging table. I just don't think they had it written down, or they, there was something. But uh, he was oh, up okay. on stage, and it was just he never got marked. So it was like uh, he didn't get placed. So it was like felt bad for him, but you know, at the end. Oh, of the that's day, not- like like that's like out of your control but there's definitely i remember like even last year at like there was usually the women's classes get switched around and then they get put into the class they should be in and then they end up as you said yeah. winning or something so it's like uh yep but do you that's think a nice that's- story especially when they're upset you know getting brought out you know taken off stage and it's nice to come back off and go yes i got first place yeah. <laughs> i like seeing that they're good stories to have like you know that's bodybuilding has a lot of good 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 memories for me and I'm sure like a lot of people have good memories as well like yourself you know last year in particular all those guys on stage together like, I mind judging you in your first show I think it was your first bodybuilding show yeah. and the stand beside you on stage it was like wow you know, it's classic yeah well it was very funny though it's like I, I remember looking back and it's like the thing is I don't regret I tell people this with bodybuilding, like it's always in continual self-improvement. So if, if I had, see, I've, I tell people this, the best thing that's happened to me is that I haven't won anything because it, 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 it give if, if you win everything and then you start to lose, I don't think you learn as much. Like that's just my own take on it. Like I think as a bodybuilder, if uh, you well, lose, I, think, I think you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. One, I don't was I, was I kind of won the majority of the shows I went on to. Yeah. And a big I don't want to say that this but a big kick in the balls I had was 
2006, I done the men's worlds and I won my class and won the overall. When I came back, Giles Thomas was getting contact with me and they were setting up, uh, Wayne D'Amelio was setting up the PDA, the Pro Division Incorporated. So they invited me over to compete in Night of the Champions. So that was, um, I think that was October kind of time. So there, it was all expenses paid, by the way. This is like, oh, it was some show. Lee Priest on that show. But they that sent us a that, massive list of... That wasn't people. IFBB, Sorry. was it? Was, was that Wayne D'Amelia? No, no, no. It was PDA. Okay. Yes, okay, yes. Cool. So I had the, I had this idea that uh, bodybuilders were, would be good performers on stage. So one of the categories was he wanted us to dress up like a character, you no know, one do like a pose routine in character, so to speak. So he, another guy here, Liam Stewart, good bodybuilder from Northern Ireland, he, he dressed up like a leprechaun and then done like you new know, pose to kind of Irish music and all. And it was good, it was, it was fun. Yeah. I just came out, I'm a bodybuilder, so I was like, I just came out with my posing briefs and done a pose routine to posing briefs. Lee Priest came out dressed in ordinary clothes and stepped in the telephone box and came out like Superman, yeah, them yeah, kind yeah. of things. But, uh, Prior to the show, now I had done the words and you can imagine I had dieted maybe two years, steady, just cycling the carbs up and down at this point after the words. And then I uh, got invited to compete in this and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. But prior to, you had to sign a contract and that kind of stuff. And if you didn't turn up after signing the contract, essentially the cost of the hotel and flights and that kind of stuff, you'd have to pay that back to the PDA. Hmm. So uh, weeks were going into the show and they sent us back a massive comprehensive list of what they were going to drug test for because it was sponsored by New York State. Yeah. And I'm looking go right. Uh, so I was like, there's nothing I can, huh? That's kind of everything I was used to, acclimatized to. So essentially I went into the show almost drug-free. Okay. And uh, I mind standing really felt out of depth on stage. I couldn't get, I landed out on the, I think it was the Tuesday before the competition landed out. It was early in the week anyway. I couldn't get access to the food that I needed in the closing days. Mm. Uh, I think actually the night before the show, I went to Planet Hollywood and <laughs> food on there because it dawned on me that I was way over and over my head, size-wise and condition-wise. That's how I felt. Yeah. Don't think I was, but that's how I felt. And I uh, stepped out on stage on Sunday, the actual competition. There was an amateur event on the Saturday, and the, and the winners from that category got a pro card and they were allowed to compete on the Sunday. So I came out Sunday afternoon. Stepped on stage, about, I think it was about 40 of us, maybe, maybe 50 on stage. The one time we were all groups of 10, all spaced around. And I was right in the wing, in the dark. And I think that I was, I got called towards the end. <laughs> and I, I just felt things up. I was just a, a spectator. And I, I, I shouldn't have been there. And I felt so out of my, my, my comfort zone was on me. Mm. And I came back from it really, really deflated. And I said, no, you know what, uh, that'll never ever happen to me ever again. No, I mind having a discussion backstage, I think it was the way Lee and Steph, something, them kind of boys, and I was saying like, no, what did you saw cut out? No, because of the drug test, no. And, there, and nobody was like, no. <laughs> I was like, what? No, no it's a serious, it's draw the ball. Like, you know, and they don't even take your prize money off you. Oh no, they don't take your place enough. You just lose your prize money. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I think Lee got 75,000 for first place. It's good money, you know, right through all the different places. And I, here's me thinking, are you boys for a ring? And they were, what, do you take us football? <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, couldn't believe it. Uh, I was like gobsmacked. And then two weeks later, I came back, started, come back on the Sunday evening, 
and I was in the gym Monday morning, two weeks later, on the pro universe, and then I come six in the pro universe. So, like, you know, it uh, tells a story, like. Yeah. <laughs> so, would so you I say, don't... like, that was redemption for you anyway? That was like coming back and, and, and you know. Aye, uh, well, that sure. pro universe, too. That, that pro universe, I kind of overdone, overdone uh, my diuretic that week as well, and it took mm. a diaphragmic cramp on stage. And it was blue shinners who kind of massaged me back to kind of health <laughs> the side of the stage. I think I, I done my posing routine and took three breaths the whole time I was on stage. I couldn't breathe. I, I honestly thought I was taking a heart attack. I swear to God, yeah. I was that sore. Couldn't breathe. Uh, I, I mind when I was lying backstage and blue was up the side. And uh, I think Jason Clark came over too. He was there. But uh, I mind thinking, my wife doesn't like me bodybuilding, by the way. She never, ever did she knows how hard I died and how hard I trained and she was this thing's going to kill you someday and in mind thinking it oh Jesus I have to ring her now and tell her I'm going to the hospital because I'm taking a heart attack or something you know but I, I wasn't you know I was, I was right to train about an hour later but that uh, crossed my mind thinking Jesus she's right all along bodybuilding's going to kill me you know and I came back and I, I think I had a weeping moment when I came back with regret you know thinking I'm sorry I'd done that to myself you know, mm. a lot of stupid mistakes that we got into the show because I pushed myself so hard. And it was on the back of doing shit at the Night of the Champions. You know, I yeah. had to train every day, right up until actually a couple of hours before I actually left the house to go to the plane to fly over to the universe because I wanted to be good. Uh, and Stephen O'Shaughnessy seen me when I arrived at, the, at my hotel room. And then he seen me when I left my hotel room later that day to go down and I had transformed apparently, you know, because I dehydrated so yeah. much. And uh, I was like, uh, and then we had the rush. We landed at the venue, and the show had ran a wee bit ahead of schedule. Me and Steph something had went to the bar to get a couple of whiskeys. Um, went backstage, and a couple of girls who had come off tanned us up because they were calling for us to step out the stage. No pump up, literally pushed out onto the stage. Quack, 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 quack. And I think I was fixed, still fixing my number on the metogs as I stepped out the stage, but uh, oh, it was good crack. <laughs> So uh, uh, six, Thomas Bures won the overall amateur and then won the overall pro that year. Yeah. He went on to be an AFBB pro as well. So yeah, I've been in good company. Yeah, you know, A lot of the competitions, a lot of high, high like, standard, like, you know. So. so what was your, like Ian McGarry asked me, like that ties, uh, what would you say, like, what was your biggest memory? Like, what was your favorite bodybuilding moment? Was, uh, was it winning the Worlds or was it... Um, one on the overall worlds. Yeah. I tell you, when I came back, when I came back to bodybuilding in 2004, 2005, Tony Mount had kind of broke into competing at the universe. Yeah. And Tony Mount has went on, as you know, promised universe multiple times. And he was the standard bear in Irish bodybuilding at that point. So I had set myself a target was Tony. If I wanted to be like anybody, I wanted to be like Tony. And I had seen videos of Steph something one in the universe in 2004. And these guys were all class three. So I'm class three. So if you want to be anybody in bodybuilding for me then at that point in time, when I was competing with Nava, I had to beat, I had to be as good as these guys or beat them. So uh, I just went full hog. And I said, I'm going to I had a clear roadmap set when I compete on the Nava Ireland's. So I'd done a trial run, I'd done the IBFA. Mr. Ireland in March, done the yeah. NABA Ireland's and I've done the universe. That was that's what I was going to do. So uh, Paul Byrne competed in the IBFA show and he won the class two, I won class three. Um we were all on the overall 
and after the show, and he's uh, invited me down to compete in the Nava Irons. Um, I mind making friends with Tommy Stone before the show, and he'd already won the AFBB Miss Ireland the week before. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know Tommy. I didn't know anybody. I didn't. This is my first kind of dipping, dipping my toes in the Irish bodybuilding scene. And uh, I mind sitting in front of him, and I, I leaned forward, and we were in Vicker Street. And he goes, Tommy, uh, excuse me. And he goes, Yep. And he goes, uh, I says, uh, Are you competing today? Obviously, it was because he was all tanned up, and the hair was all bleached. He's weak in a flat top head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he introduced himself, and he says he'd won the overall the week before. And he, now he says to me, he says, I, uh, Paul's invited this guy down from North, he's supposed to be very, very good now. And I'm like, all oh, right. And I says, and my heart, I was saying, geez, Paul's crafty. He's invited somebody else down as well. And I said, I wonder who it is. Little did I know it was actually me who was talking about. <laughs> but uh, out the back, anyway, I mind stepping off beside Tommy. He was in class four, which they didn't run back then. And I mind stepping up and he goes, can I put his hand out? Or he says something along the lines of, uh, well, congratulations, I think you're going to take us to the day. And I was like, you serious? And he goes, oh, because I had done, I, I turned out well. I done. I was doing whole body training then, though, every other day. I wasn't doing the like, regular bodybuilding squats. And that's the way I had prepped for that show. And I didn't think I was, I, in my heart, I didn't think it was that good. I knew I was half decent, but I didn't think it was that good. And uh, I mean, thinking, Jesus, do you think? And I, I, Tommy was stripping off, and Tommy was shredded, by the way. So yeah, yeah, he wasn't yeah. even flexing, and he was moving. You could see the fibers and his glutes and everything, and his lower back. And then he's he's saying, oh, I think he's saying to me that he thinks I'm going to take it. And I'm like, what? And uh, I was on my, I was down on my own too. And I, and I, I said, no, not a million years. Years, awesome kind of thing. And then lo and behold, it was me, him, Big Leo, and Neil Brown standing all the category winners at the end for the overall. And that was probably one of my best shows ever. I think that was the, the standout. And everybody always kind of well, my generation, we always kind of refer back to. 2005 Vicker Street has been the pinnacle of Irish bodybuilding because all the class winners were all very very good you yeah. know and to win that to win that show I thought you know what I don't know right <laughs> how, so much, how, much my, you, how much did you weigh on stage back, how much did you weigh on stage back then because you were you're, you're not much um, taller I weighed, anyway. I weighed 14 one uh, yeah. 14 one and uh, 14 one on Vicker Street and yeah. then two weeks later at the Universal World Cup, I was 14.5. And then when I won the Worlds, I was 13.5. So, okay, yeah. So I'm just thinking in my head, like, that. that's not much smaller than, um, that's not, that's around 2 on 2 bodybuilding height. Like, that's like, um, that's yeah. what, that's around that kind of. Okay, I'll go back to the night of the champions. We all had to weigh in officially, weigh in the yeah. It wasn't, we didn't use body weights to split us up in the night of the champions. Lee Priest was in front of me. Yeah. And, uh, as you can imagine, IFBB pros reading the magazines, they all oh, weigh 230, weigh 240, weigh 250. They weighed in at 192. Yeah. That was Lee Priest's body weight. Yeah. 192. And he's standing in front of me and he turns around and he says, don't, don't believe everything you read in the magazines. That was his line. <laughs> and he looked awesome. Like, I know. And uh, it's a bit like uh, I've seen Flex Lewis guest posing. And when they stand relaxed, their bodies are really, really smooth, as you, as, as you know. And then and they flex and everything kind of really tightens up and hardens up. Lee was exactly like that. You know, you'd think, you're not ready, you're not sure ready. And all of a sudden, he'd had a pose and every striation would just pop. You know, and that's the way them guys are all the time. You know, it's a different level altogether. Yeah, I remember. And they the really they do make you feel. 
I think the seminar with Lee was the first. I remember seeing Lee Priest, and it was like came here in 2013, and I remember he was 87 kilos, and I was like, how can somebody be under that? Like under what you think a pro bodybuilder would weigh, and look that yeah. crazy. Like uh, that was a shock to me because the first bodybuilder. Even better again, going into the champions, even was Sorry. No, I was sorry, Jeff. You're breaking up. Um, going into the night of champions, Lee was posting up with kind of like a, a big Facebook group at the time, you know, for yeah. everybody competing, and. Lee was posting up that he was extremely ill. You know, he had took an abscess in his shoulder, which was leaking profusely, and he had to go like he had loads of shots. He was like he was collapsed in the shower and everything. Like, you know, he was not well, and then to turn up on the day as good as he was, I was like, you know, how do you, how do you compete against that? You know, he was yeah. sick for weeks and weeks and weeks, and out the hospital, and still turns up, takes the show. He was, and it wasn't even like close between second and third. It was like there's second, and then there's first place up there, Lee Priest, and it was amazing. Like, you know, fair play, didn't it? You know, yeah. It just, but it just goes to show the gap between national level here, in Ireland. Or not so much now. The Brits, the Brits is getting up there. Like you know, a lot of like say, look, Sandu, come back mm-hmm. to our day. You had Doreen now, guys, uh, Biggie and Harrison. You know, they were all outstanding at maybe pros at that level too. But I think the amount of people coming through now at Brit level. And going on the BAFBB pros and good AFBB pros is, is rapidly increased. Yeah. That will come in our time too, and I think in Ireland, but we'll, we'll turn around. People always say, oh, bodybuilding's dead in Ireland. I said, fuck, it's far from it. You know, everything comes in phases. You know, I, I do believe there's like big gaps, you know, and then all of a sudden we get another big surge of popularity. And then there's an introduction of all the different classes now since I used to compete even. Yeah. And you have a lot of people, well, they don't want to be massive. But there is a category where they can fit into and be good at, you know. So, like classic bodybuilding, like I think my physique at its best would have been a better classic bodybuilder okay. when I was at my best. I think the you know, Vicker Street, my, my, the way I turned out at Vicker Street when I first won in Ireland, I think I would have been a good classic bodybuilder. You know, so that's, that's, that's what I feel like. You know, bodybuilding isn't that far from it, it's just evolved. Yeah, you know? no, I, I 100% agree. I tell, like, what I always make the comparison to is the first show I did, there was 21 juniors. Now there won't be 21 juniors, but you'll also have more classic bodybuilders or more uh, men's physique guys. It's just, they're going towards different avenues. So, but the people are always going to want to watch the bodybuilders because the bodybuilders are oh, the super freaky. Oh, I... So, that's but that's, it. that's, that's, that's me and your opinions. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're into. But there's a there's a whole avenue out there of people that think that, why why would you want to be like that when you can walk down the street and be like a classic bodybuilder and look fit and healthy? Yeah. Why would you want to be like a super freak? But that's just, that's me and that's our opinions. You know what I mean? Everybody's entitled to their opinions. Yeah. You know? But yeah. what I did see at the start, you know, and a lot of the judging and just conversation about other judges, not, not, in general, was a, when a lot of the classes were introduced, they were like, you know, like turn the nose up at them, so to speak. Yeah. You know, not belittle them, but like, you know, ah, that's that category now. How do we judge us? You no, know, that kind of attitude. 
you know, and then there a lot of judges just wanted to see this, the open categories as well. You know, just let's get just cut that crap out of the road and get onto the big main bodybuilding event. But uh, if you want to, if you want bodybuilding to continue, that's where the revenue comes from because it's more attainable for the, the general population to be in them. Like your a lot of the bikini categories, girls. Like look at look how much people follow them. People into the shows. You know that's revenue. That's bums on seats. You know so uh, that's the way bodybuilding is, unfortunately, and that's the way it's going to go. You know, the super freaks will still be super freaks at the end of the day, and they will come along. We have like the juggernaut, the big guy. He is he's getting there. Like you know, when he puts it together in the future, he's going to be some force. I think. Yeah, I I I can't wait to see Connor do well. Um, he's 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 yep. um, and he's still young. He's only thirty. You know, he's. Oh, he's I, oh, I, I sort of mean it's just a matter of time before he puts yeah. it together. You know, yeah. he's going to he is going to get it right, and when it does, and when he does get it right, he's going to be a force. You know, and he's got a big lock on his side. He's guiding yep. him, and, and there's a guy too who's shouldn't be underestimated. That man's came through so much to end up becoming Mr. Universe. He's, he's a he's a, a machine like he overcome cancer twice and still refused to give up and still went on and loved his dream. We we have some epic bodybuilders in Ireland and and I don't think we play them up enough and give them the credit for what they're doing. No. Um Dane I mean, Cullen. Yeah. David Geller two double bicep tears and still he's fighting like last year and then the last year second spot to a pro card like he will get his pro card that man's yeah. just he's just bodybuilding he's dedicated like you know, he loves it he uh, loves it you know but Vinny Crane also it. Vinny Crane, has Vinny Crane already done it. It. he's already done it he's yep. placed you know in pro shows but I think the problem is all the hype seems to follow I've interviewed them all and they've they've I'd be friends with Shane and like Shane has the physique where he could be like a superstar in terms of his social media or whatever, but he just doesn't do it. He just doesn't do it. So I'm like, that's, that's their own fault for not uh, pushing themselves. But I, wouldn't, but I wouldn't say fault. That's just the way yeah. they are. You know, it's not yeah. fault. Then I think it's just, you know, yeah, either, if I got the personality for it and can do it and sell yourself or you're, dedicated to the gym itself, you know, and you do have a life outside the gym and that's what you want to pursue. You know, yeah. that's just them. You, know, you can't knock people for it. You know, no. if, if, if you want to generate revenue and bodybuilding or make a life for it, it, it definitely is. Social media is the way to go. Yeah. It, is, it really is. Like, yeah. But uh, if, if it's not the case and you have another line of revenue, I got to have a great job. I do have a great job. And I could, last year, going into last year, a lot of changes in my workplace and I thought I'm not gonna have a job at the end of the year. So I'd sat down with Ian and approached Ian and, and I was gonna launch into my, my coaching full time. But okay. things changed all of a sudden and then it just came sweet again. So now I'm back down to just coaching uh, just intermittently so to speak. Yeah. Know? I get you. Yeah, no, I tell people all the time, Billy, it's like it's 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 like there's two sides to it it's like i think it's like if you are trying to make money from it you have to use everything that you have to make money from bodybuilding if that's what you want but if you have a great job if you like i know shane shane has a good job he has an income completely separate from bodybuilding so he's he doesn't have to worry about 
that. That's why he doesn't do it. So we laugh about it. But I think there is guys who 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 are trying to make a living from it, and it's like they're not they're not willing to make a video a week or you know sit down and just do the dirty work of talking to people and trying to network or whatever you have to do to 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 get clients. Well, because it's know. sort of again that leads into what we said earlier on. You know, I said about coaches in Ireland, you know, and there is lots of good coaches. Yeah, there's a lot of mediocre coaches who do extremely well because of social media. Yeah. And like, like I said, I'm not going to name anybody, but uh, there's, there's lots, there's a lot out there, you know, and, and you, I wouldn't be going to for advice, but you can get people to a certain level and or help them with their nutritional needs and get them to X, Y, and Z level. And that's where the money market is in that kind of, that area, you know, coaching people for to get on stage. Yeah. You know, that's, no, that's there's not there's no money in that. There really isn't. Like, you know, many people compete really at the end of the day, but getting people ready for their weddings, getting people ready for their holidays, or just making general lifestyle changes, there's a lot of money there. You know, yeah. and, and unfortunately, you don't have to be the best coach to be able to, to to cash in in that category. You know, although they'll sell themselves like they're the best coach ever, they don't need to be. You know, the basics. And training and exercise and nutrition will always pay off at the end of the day. And if you can guide people down that avenue, you know, you're on that you're on that cash winner. You know. Yeah. I mean that's what I tell people is like I'm looking I like I tell people this just because I bodybuild and I do certain things doesn't mean I'm going to train bodybuilders. Like that doesn't that's never been a goal of mine. Every every person I have that has wanted a bit of bodybuilding advice, it's it's generally been I haven't looked for it. I've never looked for it. Like I've no problem helping somebody, but there has to be complete. Um, if I'm not naming names, but I have prepped people before, and it's turned out they haven't followed most of it, and then yeah, I think you know, we've all been there. Right? Yeah, so it's like in my head, it's like I just want. If you're not happy with something, talk to me about it, and I will explain why I do certain things 100 percent. But don't don't hide stuff from your coach. I think like on my end, that's why I stopped working with them. That's why I prepped myself because I I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I think what happened was I got to like six weeks out, and then I plateaued. And that's what's happened every single time I've done it myself. I've always hit a wall at like six weeks out, and I've looked the same. So I've always found it easy to get lean, but I've found it hard to get. To that next Greeny. level condition, yep. yeah. So I, I've been very lucky in the, the life that I've had and the experiences I've had and the level of knowledge that I've gained over the years. I've been able to handpick the majority of people who've came to me, yeah. You know, and, and laugh all you want, but I, I started the first initial week or two. If I'm doing one to one coaching, I have tests that I have put people through to check, you know, just to test their mental fortitude in the gym. You know, and I will drive them really hard. And at the end of it, if I feel, uh, it's not right to say it, but if I feel they're worthy of my investment in them, then I will take them on, you know. And Ian McGarry being one of them. Your yeah. man's a machine. He can yeah. do anything. He is, he is possibly, is a, uh, what's that, the hardest, wor hardest working motherfucker out there. He coaches, he works, and he yeah. trains like a machine, and he's not yeah. the genetically 
best given, not what? by a long shot. Like what he lacks in genetics, he makes up in the gym and, and yeah. work ethic. You know, well, and, and I, I enjoy every minute that I spend with him. He's brilliant. Do you think? It reminds me when I was younger. Do you think he just needed Sorry. that? Do you think he just needed um, yourself or just somebody to just get him that little bit further? Because he's never had issues getting big. He's never like he's never had issues bar just that little bit of conditioning. Um, like he's it's been, not even that. Yeah, he has all the knowledge. Yeah, it was just like a it was just like a holding hand. We just I don't do anything magic. Not far from it. It's just like he runs ideas past me. I was going to do this, or I was going to do that. Now we go yes or no. You know, along that lines, and that's 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 very very simple. It's very basic. A lot yeah. of people fall at the basics, you know, yeah. and, or they overthink things in the closing weeks, which I was guilty of last year. As I was, I was guilty of it myself, and and you neglect the basics, and all of a sudden you've got so many things juggled in the air. And if you change one or two things, you're like, and you're looking back, going, what did I change? Or what did I do? Or, oh, Jesus. And you're lost. And mm. then you're trying to rethink back. You know, luckily, I do keep a diary. You know, but I changed a lot of things. I panicked in the closing weeks, and I changed a lot of things in a very short period of time. And then to retread that, to get back to where I was, couldn't be done. You know, yeah. So I found myself lost in the closing weeks. But it's, yeah. the same, it's the same. Most of the people just fall at the basics. And it's just a guiding hand and keeping them on track, no. reassuring them that, no, follow the plan, stick with yeah. the plan. And that's where a lot of people change their plans too quickly. A lot of people change plans four to six weeks. No, because they become bored. And when a person comes bored in a program, well, they're not going to apply themselves 100%, not in a million years, because they don't yeah. believe in it and what they're doing. You know, if somebody has true belief in what they're doing and, and they can see the goal of where they want to be at the end, they're going to apply themselves a million percent. When I was younger, as I say, I roadmapped my my shows and I knew exactly where I was, workout to workout, day to day, week to week, mill to mill, right on that show. You know, and I changed only fractional things. Like I'm chatting, I say it's fractional, I might have pulled 10 grams of carbs out of one week, them kind of things. You know, yeah. and, and it was 10 grams of 70, 70 grams in a week. Which is 280 calories, that kind of things, you know, 1,000 calories is half a pound of fat or half, a, you know, almost half a pound of fat, them kind of things, right? So that's that's what I do, fractional and keeping yeah. on track, you know. Yeah, no, simple, I agree. Simple is always going to be one. 100%. It's going to overcomplicate things. No, 100%. I tell people it's like, I've only worked with two two people, and then when I did my first show, I worked with um, Christian McAlinden. Um, I worked with him for my first show. Then as my second run of juniors, I did myself. Um, and then when I came back in 2019, he helped me for the first show again, which was my best placing anyway. But I think, like going back to what you're saying, it's like on the other end of it, what I learned I didn't do was I was afraid to push the diet that like when I was a junior it was so easy to get lean like I remember like I could diet on like it, it was fairly unstructured I kind of just dropped half of the food in every meal and I got lean I was I looked as good as I could have and then I tried doing that on my own and uh, it didn't work as my body changed as it got older it just didn't work yeah. so having having that second eye um, definitely, definitely helped when Tommy stepped in. 
uh, for the last final bit. Um, he he, like I tell people, it was Thomas my worst. A good find the knowledge. Yeah, it was my worst show mm-hmm. placing. It was my worst show placing, but it was the best I looked. So it's like I I was happy. I just wanted to go on stage without holding water. That was literally it. I didn't care about anything else. That's it. That's good. That's it. Because I've never done it. So I was like, bar, bar one show. I think the big difference, uh, I think the big difference I see from when I first began competing in the 90s to what I see now is that people over-dependent on the drug side of it to get themselves on shit, you know. And uh, you know and I know that a drug that works for me or you might work for Joe blogs, you know, and they expect the exact same results. But there's so many variables like move muscle fiber types, uh, type, um, receptor type, receptor distribution, all and kind of things all play a massive factor, you know. Their personality type, even, you know, and how they apply themselves in the gym. Yeah. People have no idea the, the, all the different factors that they've taken into consideration, you know, and whitewashing the program for 10 people if you're a PT. That doesn't work, you know. Yeah. As, well, maybe at the start, maybe at the start it does, but as people start to forget, progress, you know, all of a sudden PT and finds himself going, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't work, you know, exactly. and, and they're blaming their client, you know, because they just don't have the knowledge, you know, essentially. Like, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I do like PT, and then I get a lot of criticism uh, from other PTs. You don't charge enough. I get payment when that person steps out and steps out and stage and gets their trophy, and I I get joy from that, and I really I really like that. I love that. Like that's that really makes me that makes it all worthwhile. The yeah. million phone calls a day or the million texts a day. Oh, should I drop this or should I take this or should I eat this or I'm not feeling hungry? Them kind of things. You know the crack, <laughs> but it makes it all worthwhile. See, on that day when that person has that smile on their face, you know when they get that trophy. That's yeah. where my payment, you know, and, and I don't take, I don't have loads of clients. I, I can handpick with people that I want to help. Yeah. And I'm not one, I don't do the photographs on social media of how they looked at the start and how they look now. That's not me either, that's personal to them. If they want to put that up themselves, they can. Mm. Um, I will put a picture of me and them on after we have our trophies and backstage after the show, you know, I'll put that up, but apart from that, no. Yeah. And how that, and I don't put up their prep protocols or, or their diets or what they're doing because that's personal to them as well. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I wouldn't want anybody to follow them protocols or them that diet plan and hurt themselves. You know, yeah, or BL or whatever, or to find out, or or to have the perception that oh, that's crap. There's no way it was that easy. Well, it is that easy, but following it religiously for the 15 weeks or 16 weeks, day in day out. That's the hard part, you know. Yeah, and it truly is. Like the monotony, you know, your cardio in the morning, your meals every three hours or four hours, your training, and it just becomes regimental. And seeing it through, that's the hard part. That's the real hard part. And you just don't go. In, you just can't go into the gym and go through the motions. You have to give that stimulus to the muscle day to stay. Because if your your calories is dropping, your body's trying to. Uh, fight that you know and find a, 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 a what's the word a, a balancing act you no know, yeah. there's no calories for none but i have to shed muscle because you know, they, they save all our systems and you're trying to offset that you know it's hard going like and, yeah. uh, and it wears you down you know, i've been there and i can diet hard like everybody else and i can make the stage but uh 
showing somebody how to do that who's never been there before, that's hard. Yeah. You know, and you, you have to do them daily check-ins and the calls and weeks as well. You know, and I, I was listening. A certain PT says to me how much they cost, how much they charge their client in the calls and weeks. And I was gobsmacked and I thought, that's fucking robbery. You're just taking advantage of a situation, you know, and that's not fair. But clients are paying them money, so fair play to them, I suppose, to do them the later. Yeah. See? I mean, 100%. I want to go back. I want to go back to, um, you said something back. It was, it was interesting. It was them. Um, don't try. I'll tie it in. So basically, I, I remembered the last show season. I Because I, I was doing it on my own. I asked a few people just different things about regards. It was like peak week stuff. And I remember I did for our show and then the PCA one before. And then those two, it was myself. I had Tommy for the one after. I had Christian for the one before. But I remember each peaking protocol was different. Um, but I found when I was working with somebody and having somebody there just to say, um just for the mental side of it i came in much better every time whereas when i did it on my own i over diuretic and i just looked like a mess so it was like do you think like like well, i that, think that last week yeah 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 no i think the last week a lot of people well, stress has a lot to do with how you turn it on the day yeah so if somebody gives you that plan to fall in the last week you no know, cortisol is uh, it's seriously damaging to your system. Like, you know, uh, I know it's naturally produced and that kind of stuff, but when you are so low and so lean, yeah. so mentally uh, focused on the last day, you will do anything to get there. And when you're looking in the mirror and you don't see the results, stress <sighs> just goes through the roof, you know. And if you have somebody give you a set plan, that stress is gone. Yeah. And you tend to cruise in, right? Wednesday, I've got my diuretic to start. Um, I started with carb loading again. I have my plant set out in, in front of me. The guesswork is gone out before you. So you expect to arrive on Saturday morning, full as a house, blah, blah, blah. If you're doing that on your own, because you're taking that knowledge from somebody else, if you're doing that on your own at the start of that week, you're essentially guessing your way through the week. Yeah. You know, and you are guessing that you all turn up after and every meal through that whole week so uh to have somebody do that for you and arrive on saturday morning like looking for a house you've taken a whole lot of pressure off you no no 100 oh, I, I think i think they, they've got this yes i like i was coaching to me i tell you what i tell you last last year the spring show for Ian when he'd done the every day because we had to cut water and we had to make him down I think it was 80 kilo class yeah. and at the beginning of the week he was like I think it was beginning of the cutting phase it was 86 and a half kilo so like we got to 13 just over 13 pound to shave off him to weigh in and then following back up for the next day then get put on like hang another nine pound or ten pound overnight again you know so for me that was that was super stressful. You know, but I, I had a plan, I had an idea in my head, and I said, I'm going to stick to it, I'm going to be true to it, I'm going to make sure that he is on the money. And I says, and I think we, I think we talk nearly every hour the, from Wednesday or every two hours from Wednesday to the show, either text or talk, to make sure that he was following exactly what I was saying. And I have it all wrote down, stop, you know. 
So uh, no, then kind of things that as a coach and a good coach, you should be stressed to the max because you, you want your people to do well. Because essentially your, your people become your walking advertisement for yeah. how good you are as a coach as well. You know, I yeah. feel that in the way. A lot of people don't care. They just give me the money, give me the money, money, money's king. But no, not me. No, I, I like success for people on stage just for my money. That's what I, that's what I like. That's what I like to see. Oh, 100%. But, uh, no, you're saying that if you have, as I say, if you have a set plan begin the week, it takes, just, just takes so much stress away from you as an athlete. And yeah. and if you have that investment on the coach, you know, but prior to that, that's where you, you need to have that. You know, sitting back, relax. The last week, all your work's done. Yeah. You know, you've got to maybe, depending on your protocol, you might be carb depleting up until maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, and then you're doing your carb load. But that needs to be stepped on, and you need to have that plan. If you have that plan, it just takes so much away from you. Like, you know, just, just yeah. following us, this is happy days. Yeah, I remember. Oh, you'll be wrecked. I remember like two weeks, two days out, three days out from our show. I remember um, I met Tommy, and I remember he had a look at me. And it was like, okay, don't do, don't do anything else. Don't do anything else. Like, just, just have some like, like a little bit of rice with every meal. And um, I remember with the diuretics, I was like, okay, well, he was just. It's great. Just try some Lasix. So I took twice the amount of Lasix I should have, and then I ended oh, up Jesus. way too. I ended up eating way too many carbs because my head. I didn't have anyone there, so it was like my head was going. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. So I remember looking in the morning of the show, and then on the day, on the night of the show it was just night and day. And uh, but I remember then when I I've always had somebody there just just. To, to once I have the plan written out, it's usually fine. It's usually it's been okay. Just follow it and don't I, think I, about I, it. I was very lucky uh, when I came back to compete in 2005 or 2000. I keep saying 2004, 2005. My memory is going, must be all the drugs. <laughs> no, but when I came back, come back to compete then, I had done that IBFA show prior yeah. to doing the NABA Ireland. Yeah, and a guy in the audience called Albert Hanvey, he was like a guru. Nutritional guru, and he was advising other guys at NXT or Nutrition X back then on their formulations and that kind of stuff. He was really, really super clued on. I mean, like, uh, boy, I was a walking encyclopedia. I got a lot of information off him and a lot of feedback, and, and vice versa. You no, know, I, I was feeding him what I wanted to do and giving him my ideas and how things should work. And he was just giving me yes or no answers, basically. You know, and then he was, I didn't realize he was actually advising Tony Mount at the time as well. So uh, he, had a, he had a vested interest in Tony, and it probably felt like, oh, Jesus, well, he's asking me questions too, you know, I kind of, and me and him was going to be competing against each other. Yeah. But uh, I mind stepping on stage at the universe, and it was me and Tony, was in class three, and we made it to the top six, both of us together in top six, and I was like, standing, and I thought, if I get second place here, anyway, I'm getting that, and it's in the top six, I thought, happy days. And then Tony gets called out in front of me, you know, for fifth place. And I'm like, holy Jesus, I beat Tony Mount. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm mind coming off stage afterwards. And there was a wee bit awkward moment. I think, uh, Albert was there. And Tony knows along with Albert. And coming over to thank Albert, no, for his help and advice for the show. <laughs> with him actually helping Tony from all the way through. And I was like, no, I better, I better not say no. I'm just like, no, just like, thanks very much, you know. For coming over and watching the show, I can't do that kind of way. I don't want to say, "Oh, thanks, sir." You'd work back Tony the whole way through. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it was all good. It was all good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, 
I've been lucky. On the, I have been lucky all my bodybuilding life, even my weightlifting career. When I, I was a sprinter at school, school level, you know, national schools, and I got into I got into weightlifting kind of by chance. I dislocated my knee, and the physio who I went to advised me to go to the gym and build my knee back up. And just per chance, my the gym that I went to, the, the coach there was the Scottish national weightlifting coach. And long story short, seven months later, I was world junior champion. Fair enough. Seven months, uh, and he says, you need to be weightlifting, you need to be competing. I think I competed in my first uh, weightlifting competition at seven weeks after going into the gym. It was the Scottish National Championships, and done the juniors and all, and then the Brits, and then I done the Worlds. So I've been very, I've been very, very lucky. It just it's per chance, as I say, like, you know, going to, now, going to the ABFA, I happened to bump into the president of Nava Ireland, Paul Byrne, who got me to compete in his show. And then I got to the universe two weeks later. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't have wrote it, like, you know, and then uh, obviously I qualified, getting top three at the universe, gave me a place on the Irish team to do the Worlds. And then the Worlds that year was in Ireland. You know, <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't write it, like, you know, I was very lucky. Yeah. I mean, is there any reason why you didn't um, go, try your hand more at the IFBB? Was it just uh, you felt at home with the other NABA? Well, when I had done, I got my pro card after doing the, got the overall worlds. I, think yeah. I was the first. I was the first uh, NABA pro out of Ireland at that point. Oh, okay. And I got a I got a phone call from a certain AFBB official to say that there was an, an avenue for me in AFBB if I wanted to come down there to compete. Um, not in Ireland. It was and through they had like pro amateur shows going through Europe, and would have been interested in going around that avenue to compete. And I thought, you know what, Paul Byrne has been very good to me and he's a very, very good friend, looked after me and I wouldn't betray that. And I just, no, I just, I'm NABA. I am NABA, Ireland, like so. Um, no, I wouldn't go down that avenue, you know. So it's just me. And, and I never, I, I never have no, I never have no set long-term plan. I didn't want to become an AFBB pro because I knew what it would take for me to sacrifice to go down that avenue, so and I didn't want to give up the things that I had. Right, Not yeah, as simple yeah. as that. So that was, that's that down there, healing. Like, you know. At least you got. I'm very lucky. Have a, at least um, you got contacted, Billy. At least, uh, at least they thought you were. Um, at least they called you up. Like you can always tell people you got called I, up. I was good enough. Uh, yeah. uh, it was nice. It was a nice. It was a nice phone call. Like and it was only. I think I was at work. I was a postman at the time. I think I was at the. I was who's this? And it says who they were, and I was like, what? <laughs> no, on the phone, I was like, no, uh, you sure? And then there was a bit of a conversation after. What the nice, I'll tell you, you're saying about memories, one of the nicest memories I ever had was, uh, I got a phone call, it was December um, 2005, and it was Ivan Dunbar rang me, and I was just getting ready to do my delivery, and he goes, will you come and guest pose at the NABA Northern Ireland? And I thought, you know what, That that's class. She didn't get that phone call. That was because that Navan Northern Ireland were, for me, the best bodybuilders. And this isn't taken away from our Southern Ireland, Northern Ireland bodybuilders always seem to be that stage ahead compared to yeah. the South. I agree. Whether I'm right, no, that's just my No, opinion. I, I, I you know, agree. Just back in the day, it was. No. Yep. And to be and to get asked to guess pose in front of all my peers, you know, everybody who I admired in that, you know, Navan Northern Ireland at the time. That meant a lot, like, 
But unfortunately, I wasn't in shape and I wouldn't let myself down by getting on stage not in shape. So <laughs> I didn't guess pose. <laughs> but it was nice to get the phone call too. That was another highlight, you know. And mm. that, was, that, that's, that was nice, you know. And I even being the man that I was too, you know, uh, a lot of respect for the man. Man passed on, like, you know, after yeah. uh, going the overall world. It was nice. I think, it was, I think Ham and Paul Byrne was the first people to step on the stage to congratulate when I got on the overall. And that, was the, that was buzzing. And you know, fake tan on, you're the, and all clattered now, and the two of them with their suits on hugging me. Yeah. <laughs> it was class, it was cool. Eh? Well, what what made you step away, Billy, after, I mean, because you, you, you had those two big wins, um, and then, then, then that was it, you know? I mean, pretty much after the PDI yeah. shot. So what made you step away from bodybuilding for so long? Well, I could told you the story about taking the diaphragm at the pro universe. Yeah. You know, and having the, the kind of, uh, having the image of telling my wife that I was taking a heart attack, you know, yeah. uh, which I didn't have, but having that scared me, you know. And when I came home and, and I thought to myself, do you pursue it anymore? Maybe that could be, that could happen to me. Yeah. So, so I decided then to pull the plug at that point. Like, that, 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 that scared me, scared the Jesus out of me. Like, yeah. You know, um, and not just do, I was like, everything that she'd been telling me all along was going to came to the head, and I didn't, and it's not fair for her. So I said, no, it's not worth it. Mm. You know, especially when I had a good job, I had landed myself a good point. In 2008, I was going to come back and compete, have no wee crack at it, just, just for myself, you know, yeah. and I had a bad accident at work, so I put the, I had a really bad accident, so I was diagnosed with advanced spinal degeneration, and I had a lot of nerve issue going into my lower body, and they told me I would never train again, I would be in and out of hospital the rest of my life and that kind of stuff. Um, for maybe four years, it was five years after the accident, it was bad, and it was yeah. in a bad way, and I decided, you know what, I need to bump myself back up and go back to the gym, and haven't been back to hospital since and I never had to go back. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until such a point. And I came back and kind of done, the, done that AB, what was it? I done Jay Farns competition, the powerlifting. Okay. Done that one. That, yeah. uh, I, I, I done that and well, I bombed out in the bench press, but I done kind of half decent myself. had a good showing at it. I done, I competed in strongman since as well. I've done all right at that too, like, so now I've kind of, I went above and beyond with the doctor says I'd ever be capable of doing again. And then last year I came back and competed as well. So uh, I'm happy, like I'm a happy man. Yeah. But I'll continue to help people, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I'll never. I, I don't call myself. I, I don't call myself a coach because I'm not a coach. You know, uh, I'm not a bodybuilding expert. I'm far from it. I'm not a dietitian, but I have had a lot of experience. I've made a lot of mistakes myself, and I and I do see the pitfalls that people can fall into. So, and I'm, I'm helping people get ready for shows. It could be trying best day for them to avoid that, if that makes sense. You know, well, and as I say, yeah. basics is all really one hands down every day. If everything's failing and you're not going anywhere in your body, building, just go back to basics. Yeah. Basic yeah. diet, basic training, and just fall back to that. Get out of the rut, find a life outside bodybuilding and have something to fall back on because the percentage of people who take up bodybuilding with a view of turning pro and making it to be a pro is minute. There's millions of people on the gym 
all over the world training with Jesus out, thinking they're going to be the next Master Olympia. You know what? There's only one Master Olympia every year. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, another message too. One of the things I found back when I first began training, a lot of the messages in the gyms, local gyms, don't do the programs out of the magazines or don't do this pros workout or don't do that pros workout. They're genetically gifted. Well, how do you know you're not genetically gifted if you don't do them programs? Do all the programs, do all the sets, do all the reps, write it down and find out what works for you. Do all the diets, try them all out. Most of them are fucking shit. But once you realize and that penny drops to the shit, just go back to basics. Yeah. Eat every three hours. Great amino acid pool in your bloodstream. Good quality protein every three hours. Fish, meat, chicken. Supplements, not really needed a lot, but they do help when you're getting a down low diet. Or if they fill in the gaps, if you just can't. You know, if you have a hard working life, you can yeah. use a protein supplement or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I usually just, just tell people regarding the supplements. Learn, learn. Uh, yeah, I mean, I usually just tell people with the supplements, just supplement what you're not eating. I mean, if you're not eating enough, um, if you're not able to get in certain foods, just just supplement that way. But don't don't add in more that you you need. I mean, there's no need to take. Well, when I, I was young, when I, I never when I was young, I never had no supplements at all. I didn't even take yeah. multivitamin. I didn't yeah. I didn't bother. I had, uh, I'll give you an idea, I can, I can recall this, and this is, this is how simple and how basic my diet was. I had a 500 gram bag of pasta, right? I had 12 Weetabix, 12 whole eggs, and a tin of tuna, right? Or, no, not, not a tin of tuna. I had about four tins of tuna. So I grew up in the morning, yeah. I had my six Weetabix, skim milk, six whole eggs. Three years later, I had, I broke out, I had a half a can of Campbell's, you know the, the condensed stuff so I had half a can of that I boiled all my pasta up poured half a can in and mixed it up split that into four meals and had a tin of tuna with each portion of that and I had that three times or four times through the day I laid down at night time just before that I had my six Weetabix my skim milk and my six eggs before I lay down and I went to bed at 11 o'clock and I got up at 8 o'clock if I was tired or not I still went to bed I didn't. I went. I trained at the exact same time, which was uh, twenty minutes to seven every evening. Um, and even on my non-training days in the gym, I went and done some cardio. And it, I did train six days, and I grew like a weed. I had no gaps in my nutrition. I didn't feel as I had. I didn't need it. I was gaining all the time. So much so that a friend hadn't even seen me in four weeks, and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I was growing all the time when I was younger. No, but as I got older and life got complicated outside the gym, you know, because I was I was expected like had mortgages and bills to pay and that kind of stuff. You know, my diet became more complicated, mm. and and in hindsight, looking back, it shouldn't have been. You know, should yeah. just go back to basics, and I I, I kind of ignored my own, I ignored my own uh, ethos. If you know what I mean, like, you know, oh, missing exactly. many times that kind of stuff. That's- one hundred percent. I mean, I I'm going forward. I'm working with um, not even working with. It's more my second eye is Niall Niall Kinsella. So it's like, and I asked him, "What did you oh, use?" And I was like, "What did you used to do, Niall, to put on weight?" And he was like, "Oh, I used to, I just blend up all my oats and whey, and then I just eat around that." And I was like, 
that's what I used to do when I gained all my size. I'm just going to go back to that because that's what worked the best. Just drink, <laughs> just drink all my oats and then eat, just eat, eat some, eat four meals around that, you know, and I found that added. That's, like, that's basics. That's what I keep going back yeah. to. Basics. Yeah. But, but people, the majority of people don't believe that it's that simple. The, the hard part is just being consistent with that and being consistent with the training. You know, yeah. even in my days where I was super sore, you know, going into the gym, I still train the same body part. I just kind of yeah. backed off a little bit, but it must have worked. You know, or, yeah. or if I had a hard, I was always kind of known for having good legs. And when I trained my legs, I got blood and the bejesus out of them because I wanted, I wanted to have a standard body part. And for me, everybody here back then, nobody really had good legs. You no, know? That, that's says, what it's My legs just kind of half decent down. That's what Sorry? I tell people. That's what I've always said. Like, if you have a good pair of legs in an Irish show, uh, you'll do well. You'll always do well. Like, it's, 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 um, like a lot of the guys. I, I was going to always criticize for not having like a good chest or a good back. Yeah. I says, but nobody's going to stand on stage beside me and blast me for legs. So, uh, I says, that was going to be my forte. I was having good legs. I was going to be like, Bully the Platts born of Ireland. <laughs> so uh, that, I, I went on every time into the gym. I was kind of the strongest in the gym for like the shoulder pressing or whatever or doing leg stuff. You know, I was, I was going to be the, the 30 or 40 rep king doing squats and all. And I just kind of followed that, that kind of yeah. stuff. Like even at the, you know, but on a heavy leg, uh, leg extensions, leg press, hack squats. I finished off with squats, you know, free squats. Yeah, and I still went really heavy. And still maxed out the reps, you know, till I fell over. And I lay in the gym for the half an hour and like a big angel wing of sweat around me. And then I got up and went home. <laughs> but uh, no, I was, I was very regimented in the training. Very, 100%. very regimented in the training on my diet. I never must know, you know. 100%. So, uh, I, I agree. It's needed though, because I tell, I, I mean, even looking back at my own changes, I mean, I felt um, during the preps where I, trained like I did in the off season so it was always heavy heavy free weights um like I mean for my legs I've I've always been lucky I've always trained with guys who built really good legs so it's like I or who've, who've they've I've always I'd train with people stronger than me or higher you know what I mean I'd always train with the next the, the guys I look up to yeah so I remember like um, I don't train with guys who I wouldn't train with usually unless it was somebody who competes now or maybe just powerlifting or something. But I remember it carries o- it does carry over because when I trained with people in, in the preps like that, uh, I remember the biggest the legs were was when it was all the free weight squats. It was all the, the heavy, heavy basics. And then once I went to, once I backed yeah. off it a bit, it kind of deflated a little bit. The whole physique kind of just deflated a bit. And I, I re- don't regret I, th- I think so too, yeah. As soon as I pulled squats out of my routine, I always say, well, I don't know if it's psychological, but I mind looking down at my legs and going, no, oh, I need a squat. Yeah, I need a squat. No, because I would go through, everybody, because you're pushing so hard, sore hips or sore knees for a spell or sore ankles or whatever, and you would back off in a wee bit from X, Y, and Z, whatever was agitating you. So I got pull squats right for anything at the time and my head, now my legs is shrinking when you get the squats back in. So I'd always work away and rather maybe putting them first in when you're fresh and yeah. or pre exhaust them, you know, first and then put squats on to get just to get them in. Because I used to ask my mind if I didn't get squats on. 
you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have other exercises, you no know, guys doing arms or whatever, they can't do this exercise because they're getting elbows or shoulders. But if they don't do it, they think their arms are shrinking. You know, that's the kind of mindset I had. Like, what? But, uh, I never, clo- I, I was never closed off to trying anything. You know, yeah. as I say, I'd done full body workouts, get ready for shows and that kind of stuff, and I'd done a lot of reading and a lot of kind of experimenting on myself. You know, mm. a few guys had issues getting ready for shows. And I says, well, why don't we try this? And they're like, nobody trains like that. And I says, well, nobody trains like that because it's hard for starters to do it consistently. Yeah. But why don't we try it? Because you've tried everything else. And if you're telling me you're training hard enough, you're not getting, well, what have we got to lose? They do it. And all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, boys, this is class. <laughs> Two weeks of training, I've got abs. I can't believe it. You know, or they, they just train or change their food types about or their food sources about. Maybe they've got an intolerance that they were never aware of mm. and we change it around and all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, this is this man's amazing. No, it's not. I'm not amazing. It's just like we've just tried something different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But a wee bit more open minded, you know. There's more there's there's more ways to skin a cat, you know that kind of way. Skin a cat is that the right term? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. I agree, Billy, because it's like I remember I was told like I never really did heavy deads and um, I never really did heavy deadlifts off the floor. I'd always, I used to, but I always felt like mechanically, um, I very short arms and a long torso. So it's like, for me, it's more like a squat. So I always said, I'm just going to do really low rack pull. So it would be, it would literally just be about that much off the floor for me. And then I do heavy bent overs and I do heavy T bars and I do all the heavy rolls and all that, the, 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 the basics but I never really did heavy deadlifts and I found like I didn't have to do them to grow but I did variations of the same movement so I replicated the yes. movement yes. but do you think people just are so like I did try it if I found it was a good movement for me to build a back I would 100% do it but I found I could work I, I think people just closed you know yeah. they, they see a set way of uh, no I would be well, for arms, I do big volume work, like 30, yeah. 40, 50 reps, you know, and even leg press, you know, I would be doing 100 rep sets and that kind of stuff. People are just closed. They're closed-minded. They're like, How can that be of benefit if you're doing such a high reps? Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's muscle work in there. You know, so there is a benefit happening. Yeah. You know, some people like see too, like, there's more than one system, subsystem. You have your cardiovascular system, your neurological system, your muscular system, your tendons and cartilage and ligaments. Everything is of a benefit. You know, if it's not working this type of muscle fiber, it's working another type of muscle fiber. Bodybuilding, it's called bodybuilding. There's lots of different systems to be exercised, to benefit, to get yourself to the next level. You may have exhausted like you know, yourself uh, neurologically. You know, so that system's taking a hit. So all of a sudden, your bodybuilding program that you're used to or your diet isn't giving you the benefit. So it's yeah. time to look at, right? So you're coming home fatigued every night from your work. So psychologically, you're drained, you're, you're tired. How are you going to go into the gym and give yourself 100% in the gym? Take a day's rest, man. Lie down, chill out, take your mind off things, let your CNS recover. You know, if you're going on and pushing yourself 100% in the gym, day after day after day after day, there's a deficit happening, and all of a sudden it hits you like a train, and rather than taking that day off, you find yourself, you've got cold symptoms, flu symptoms, 
you can't train for weeks. You know, and it takes a smart person. They recognize that early to offset that. So if you can't train for weeks, you ain't gaining. No. You know, your your body's recovering, but you're 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 here. You know, you should be gaining like that incremental every time you hit the gym. So uh, no. no, definitely we're going back again. Get a coach. Get somebody even in the off season to say, no, like, they're just going to recognize them signs early and change the variation in either your recovery time or your training, your training intensity, your training style or your diet. You know, mm. And they will monitor. Let them do the monitor. Let them take the stress off you so you can just go, right, what are we doing this week? You know, on a Sunday night, doing your check-in. Uh, and here we go, no, you're good. You're doing fine. Just stick with a plan, or it's going to make a, an incremental change that will affect you for the, the week ahead. You know, no. Get a coach. Off-season coaching shouldn't be expensive. You know, it's just a, a, a weekly review. And if, it, and if it's a really, really good coach, still shouldn't be expensive. Should still, should still only be a weekly review. Or if you're the kind of person that needs help in the gym getting pushed and you're doing one day ones, well, that's going to cost you. Like, you know. But uh, no, invest in a good coach. Offset that loss by the financial input. And that becomes stress-free in your progress through the, through the gym life. Like, you know, simples. Or sit down and read and learn yourself. And I, 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 I tend to shy away from people who hasn't been much in the gym, you know, asking me for advice. Because nowadays, we didn't have internet back in the day. And a lot of stuff we done was trial and error. Or reading magazines and then experimenting with what we read. There's a monumental amount of stuff on the internet and it can be confusing. If you find the basics, praying three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if you have a hard work on life, you can get in the extra day, get it in. The body's thoughts always work. You know, there's a mountain of time to recover. You do chest on the Monday, chest and arms on the Monday, back and shoulders on the Wednesday, legs on the Friday. You have a whole weekend to rest before Monday comes around. It's simple, you know. I, I, I don't get why people overcomplicate it. You know, I, I don't understand. Just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Just pull back and relax and chill out and let your body doesn't happen rather yeah. than trying to force it. You know? I just say enjoy it. Simple. I just say enjoy the training. <laughs> I mean, like I, I tell people this. It's like I didn't. I deleted all my social media um, in 2019. I think you did it for a while. I did it for upcoming to the show. But it was the best thing I did because it was, um, I could just focus on it. This is before spring. So it was like 10 weeks of nothing. And it was just going to the gym. I was driving up to Monaster Evans. So I was training with Shane and Connor and I was training with Christian. And then I was training with, 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 with all the guys who were pushing me to train. So I remember at the end of the day, it was the basic training. Like the training never faltered, even though the diet and outside of the gym, things happened. The training always stayed the same. And I tell people this, going back to what you said, if you're working with somebody or you're asking people for advice, get the training down, get the training down and then worry about everything else. Because like once you ha are having fun training and you're making progress, progress, getting stronger, everything kind of comes with it. You know I mean? Bodybuilding just happens. I don't think it's, you can't put a time on anything. It's, it's all, what happens for somebody in four months could be a year for somebody else. But, um, you know, that's it. It's just keep a progress basic. is progress. Yeah. You know? That's it. Yep. Um, 
for a long time there over the years, I noticed a lot of people weren't using training logs. And I noticed this last year, maybe or two, I see people using training logs more. I think it's important to log that because through that in itself, if you're really smart and you can put it onto an Excel document with computer, you can see your progress. You know, and it's progress is progress, whether it's slightly incremental or monumental, progress is progress. When yeah. you have a flat line and you ain't going nowhere, you know, a, a log is beneficial because you can see that. You know, a lot of people don't go to the gym to volleyball, they go for the social aspect, fair enough. But don't hold me back when I go into the gym. <laughs> My headphones is on, I ain't for talking. <laughs> or if I'm roaring, pulling like 300k deadlift or whatever, don't talk to me, I don't want to know. Now, I go into the gym, they work, they train, they train hard. And yeah. if I have a training partner, like I had Bubba Wilson training with me in the last couple of years, and John Mann can train sir with the best in the country, he has a unit, and he's strong, pull too, like, and you never break him, that man came, when he was sick as, a, sick as a dog, the gym was still had great workouts along with me. Even yeah. when he didn't want to train, he still came and trained with me. Yeah, he I've, was a great I've, partner to have. I've, I've one training partner like that. He's not a bodybuilder at all, but um, I mean, he'd come with me. I remember he was sick on antibiotics. In fairness, like during the preps, he'd just turn up, just be there to, to, <laughs> to, 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 to spot or whatever, or just to be there. So I do think having that, having that little bit of I wouldn't say competition. Bubba has trained with a few guys yeah. getting ready for competitions, so he yeah. knows the zone that, that you would go into when you go into yeah. the gym. So there would be whole workouts where we, we wouldn't even talk. But yeah. he would, he's got to know me, and I got to know him. We knew each other's like sets and reps and where they do a bit of spotting if needed, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And then I think when you get to that level, it's good to have somebody like get the best in the world during Yates. You know, he had. Uh, oh Jesus, his name escapes me. But you know, everybody has had that person you know, along with them with that support. Like you know, you know, it's like low carbs last couple of weeks. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is get on a leg press and you maybe fifteen plates aside. You know, that's that's cardio in itself. Unload and unload that fucking thing. <laughs> but it's good to have that to have that support. You know, to help you drive through the workouts. You know, yeah. I, I have trained for shows on my own in the past, completely on my own. Trained at home. You know, and you can see a different physique mm. from training at home to training in the gym. You know, yeah. I was fuller and bigger when I had when I was in the gym. You know, when I trained at home, I was you could see I was a lot lighter and oh, my condition was probably better training at home because I was had to do a lot of force reps kind of stuff and, and just work that wee bit smarter. Yeah. You know, I, I could train a wee bit more loose and a wee bit more kind of free in the gym. There was a lot more variety to me as well, like you know, the exercises. Yeah, so I, I can see that. But uh, no, definitely having a training partner is super beneficial. And if, and on the other side of that, chatting about coaching, if you don't have a coach, well, you've got good feedback off that training partner as well. You know, there yeah. and then live, he can see you from week one right up to the week of the show, and he can see the progress and tell you exactly, no, you're spot on, or no, we need to push harder on us. And yeah. as I say, you need to, as I say, it's good having a program. I've been regimented. But within the exercise selection and your sets and reps, like a bit of flexibility there to be able to like, no, we need to do more reps on this or we need to work this bit more. You know, and having that positive feedback from your training partner is crucial. Yeah. One of my tra one of my training partners in twenty nineteen was um, Giovanni. Giovanni Emeka. Oh, so he, he he's, he's like a, yeah, he's a, he's a freak. So I'm kinda like 
but the funny thing is he's new to it so he actually um in terms of getting feedback he was great to train with and he's a good friend but uh the the, the knowledge isn't there because he's so he's so much of a genetic freak that he he yes everything's kind of just progressed so so training with someone like that is is it's motivation because you, you get to see what like somebody can can look like without really pushing it and i'm kind of like yes. oh shit you know what i mean yeah uh, you're saying like a, you're saying about genetic freaks and people being good. And one of the lessons I learned when I was younger that the best bodybuilder in the gym isn't always the best person to ask for advice. Yeah, you know. Um, but by and large, and as a general rule of thumb, they're probably still the best person to go to to get a grounding of where to start. You know, but if you're looking for the finer details and if you're looking for that knowledge, you're not always the best to ask. Yeah. You no, know? one hundred percent. Definitely not. 100%. No. Well, look, Billy, we've come up, we've come up on an hour and forty-five minutes. I think that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting hungry, man. I'm, I'm meant to be going out fishing now at seven. So I'm gonna... Oh no, you're good on the keto. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm losing more weight than I'm already losing. But uh, no, look, Billy, it was great having you on. And you know what? I mean, I, I was saying to Dave and I was saying to Brian, um, and Mark, I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna be coming up and. I was. I had plans to go to the UK. I, I have a few friends over there. I was going to see what the the bodybuilding scene is over there because I've only been over there competing. I mean, yep. I remember the first time I went. Um, it was completely by chance. It was like Tommy said, "Don't go to the universe. Go, go over and do a junior show in the UK. There's one in three weeks." So I went over, or it was two weeks, and I remember it was the ferry. And it was the train boatway. So it was 14 hours to travel boatway. So I didn't sleep for two nights. And I remember I did it. And I came back and it was great. It was a really fun. Uh, stress out of my mind. But, you know, there was Irish guys there. Declan Clear. And yes. There. So I just he I just did his water load. I shouldn't have done it. But just wanted to try it out. And then um, I remember coming back. And I remember, like, thinking i don't know where this is going but i remember like it was the hardest thing i did in terms of competing and i remember just i didn't play because of the travel time. aspect i think it was the travel i think it was like it was like i was, so i wanted to go to the uk this summer not right. doing preps i just wanted to have a little trip and go up to the north and, and train in those gyms but i'll have to come up and train with uh, come up and um, once everything's back to reasonable levels of normality you know? well you're more than welcome to come up anytime so where where can people Ian's find finished. you where can people find um, you for coaching if, you, if you're looking for anybody uh, um online i have instagram there and i have facebook so just send me a message cool. um as i say i don't take beginners on it's not that i don't have the time i think if anybody's invested in competing they should have a baseline of knowledge themselves and have a good knowledge of their own bodies to start off with no. If you haven't done that, take the time to do it. Learn yeah. yourself. You know, get the basics hammered down. I don't want to be going into breaking down like micronutrients and trying to explain why I'm doing X, Y, and Z. You know, if I had you with a protocol, a training protocol, or a diet protocol, a basic understanding before I even open my mouth, I would like to have that in a person. Yeah. Um, and saying that, I have taken beginners on who have been genetically gifted, and I knew. Just, if I just wrote something down on paper, they were going to follow it to the heart. They're not in question. I have had them people, and they've been exceptional. 
you know, and then they've done really, really well. Not in bodybuilding, but in rugby or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I have have had them people. You know? Yeah, I but, I, uh, train, I know one guy, Billy. I know one guy, and he's he's natural. He's this, he's um he's from Nigeria, um, and he's natural. And I remember uh, he came like he's won all the smaller shows, but he hasn't done any of the bigger shows. His name's Akin. And yep. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and I remember yeah. talking to him because I see him every, I see him every week. And I, remember, <laughs> I, I went down, I, I went down when he won the the, the NBFI when he came second in the overall. I, I drove with him. I, I brought him to court and he stayed at a friend's. But I remember thinking, oh, how long did you diet? Five weeks. I didn't diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I was just like, but those are the guys. When you tell them something, yep. they generally blow up you know it's like he doesn't eat yes. enough i told him i i gave him a bit of advice and a few tips and i'm not sure if he's doing it but you know i'm like when somebody like that really uh, you're, like, not gonna, you're not going to turn them people away not by a long no, shot like, no but no, i think no. if, if somebody says they've been bodybuilding for a year yeah. and i says right we're going to introduce like say or, or i'll give them a questionnaire to follow it or whatever you know just to get a, a, a grip of what they're like and they don't get the certain answers, you know, or give me feedback that I'm asking. I'm like, nah, me and you's not going to click. Or if I bring them up and they, we do a one-to-one workout, like, I'll just give you an example. Ian McGarry comes up, put him through a workout. Your man looks for more at the end of it, and I know that I have given him a hard workout. You know, just, I'll just give you an example. Or I've given, I give people workouts, and they never even text me afterwards. They never came back. <laughs> and they've never competed because they've had this like, it's going to be this man's going to uh, that's uh, I have no time not that I have no time for them people don't get me wrong they've got the reasons why they want to do what they're doing no. but I, if I'm going to be working with somebody and, and I don't charge much as I say I take my glory out of them doing well on stage if I'm going to invest my time I would expect them people at the minimum to invest a wee bit of time in learning the knowledge themselves you know, at the very moment, sit and read the magazines, sit and read online, get a wee bit of knowledge behind you regarding diet and how you're already working and how you've done so far to get you so far works. Yeah. And then we'll chat them, you know. That's what, that's what I like. All right. Yeah. I'd be up the same. I'd be the same, to be honest with you. But you know what? Uh, it was great having you on, Billy. I'll, I'll give you a message. I'll give you a text when it's up. I'll probably be up tomorrow. Um, but... Uh, Deadly. Look, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I have to get some food, and I'm sure you as well. Man. <laughs> if you want, we can do another one another time. Absolutely. I'm going more depth regarding training principles that I do use. Okay. Yeah. What I, I, think, I, I have found successful in the past. That'd be great. Right? That'd be deadly. Okay, and uh, and I'll I'll write stuff of it out, and I'll put it up on your Instagram. Some programs as well, if you wish. Okay, buddy. All right, man. Thanks, Deadly man. Take care. All right.